0: Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Friday Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogamiller with the Oklahoma Education Association.
1: And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Friday Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about public education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday.
0: And this Friday is going to be our kind of last summer session podcast, right, Ivy? I mean, Catherine?
1: Yeah, can we say the podcast is like, you know, school's out for summer, podcast is out for summer?
0: Yes, yes.
1: Taking a summer break.
0: Summer break is happening here, but we are joined by our favorite Ivy Riggs for our before summer session podcast break. Morning, Ivy.
2: (laughs) Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: I was going to say, we should have like a mystery guess and then go, oh, it's
2: Ivy. <laughs> <laughs> you may not have heard of her. Yes.
0: She has. <laughs> um, so Ivy, tell us a little bit, you know, kind of maybe a primer of what's going to be happening this summer for session a little bit, and then um, we'll move into primary talk.
2: Yeah, so we all are supposed to be out for summer, right? The legislature is supposed to be out for summer. Everyone's supposed to be out for summer, but then we have these two special sessions. So just to kind of recap very quickly, um, the legislature, two-thirds of the legislature, signed off to call a special session to uh, guide the governor on how to spend ARPA relief funds. And they actually are going back in on Monday on Monday to address that. And then the governor called a separate special session and Monday is the day he chose um, for them to talk about tax relief, uh, income taxes, and grocery taxes specifically. Um, The speaker has been pretty vocal in um, he thinks that's too narrow. He agrees that that some tax relief needs to be discussed. So um, you know, I think they'll address some kind of tax relief. Our expectation on Monday is that they come in, pass a few uh, bills about the ARPA relief funds that committee met this week and they have, mm-hmm. I think five recommendations. so I think we'll see a few bills on that. And then I think they'll gavel in and gavel out of the other of the governor's special session. Um, the speaker specifically said, until you have bills ready to go, there's no reason to come into special session. And so I think those conversations are happening, but I don't think we're going to see big tax cuts on Monday. I think later in the summer, they'll come back and we'll just kind of have to wait and see.
1: So do you think, so they can run, okay, two questions. So they can run um, two special sessions
0: concurrently.
2: Yeah, it's going to work kind of like it did during regular session where they'll they'll specify what they're going into and out of. Uh, They'll say we're in the governor's special session right now. We're in the legislative special session right now. And so they'll adjourn one and start another one or or the they'll, they'll make announcements ahead of time. And, and they'll have agendas just like they will during session. You know, right. it'll it'll be the same one. They'll just have to. It's unusual that you have two different ones running together. Yeah. Not yeah. together. At the same time. At the same time. <laughs> so, right.
1: So, so the governor's special session, when you said they gavel in, gavel out, do you think, will they keep that open or will they just say, I gaveled in, gaveled out,
2: we're done with that? I think they'll keep it open, but they can do either one. It's totally okay. up to them. But based on what the the quotes of leadership so far is that they're open to the idea of different tax relief uh, I, things, but there's nothing hammered out. So I think they'll gavel in, gavel out and be it, you know, to to the call of the chair to leave it open to come back. So
1: those that... What they, you know, the $75 that the governor didn't like, was that coming out of federal relief funds or was that just out of state appropriations? That
2: was out of state appropriations. Oh, and so $181 okay. million was set aside for that. And that was vetoed and they did not override the veto. So uh, that money is available.
1: Ooh, I have all kinds of
2: thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I have some plans for it as well. <laughs> Um, they so didn't we, ask us isn't it tricky no. they didn't ask us
0: no I don't know why um <laughs> well we will we will wait and see and just um for our audience that um Monday that we're talking about is June 13th depending on correct
2: this this coming Monday I apologize yes yeah no
0: um so and then our second thing we want to talk about is the primary um which is Get a close. really big deal so such a
2: deal, such a big deal. So many races are being decided in the primary alone. Um, We have been very, very busy um, working with our uh, Fund for Children in Public Education, which is the name of the pack that we have. Um, And uh, we've chosen, our members have chosen some races to get involved with. Uh, Those recommendations will be coming to you very soon um our um our june focus edition will have uh recommendations in it and uh behind the wall on our website we will also um have recommendations um but i think it's i think it's important to point out a few things about kind of how that process works um our dues dollars cannot go to campaigns That's, that's illegal. We do our very best not to do illegal things here at OEA. We do the right thing and we do it the right way. Correct. Mm -hmm. Correct. And so our members that choose to give over and above their dues dollars to our PAC, sit on committees and make decisions about um, how they want to spend that money and what, what uh, legislators and candidates they want to give money to protecting the friends that have voted and supported us throughout session. And, and then um, folks that are running for office, um, you know, we do, we do interviews and ask questions strictly about public education and benefits and, and things that, that affect uh, our members and the kids that we serve. And so we take that very seriously. Um, you know, we do not have a rich pack. Uh, educators are not rich people. Right. So so we are I take it very, very seriously to be great stewards of those dollars and, and try to facilitate those. We and LPO kind of um, um, we just facilitate those interviews. Our members that give to PAC are the ones that make those decisions. It goes to our steering committee. And then um, we have a PAC council that, that makes all of those decisions. So um, we're we're very proud of that process and uh, how inclusive it is with our members.
1: Yeah, you know, as as chair of the fund uh, president, the president is the chair of the fund and vice president is the vice chair of the fund. Um, And I think a lot of people maybe don't realize that the OEA does not recommend candidates. Our fund for children in public education, our PAC, like Ivy was saying, recommends those candidates. And on our PAC council, our fund council, those are members who donate you know, everybody that everybody that's a part of this is somebody that donates above their dues dollars, they are elected from their members in that also donate, and so it is a very democratic process whether you're on the steering committee or on the council to make these decisions. And it's just reflective of who we are as an organization and making sure that we have democratically elected representation. And that, and, and also I think some people may think, oh, well, you went and you interviewed this candidate. When we interview a candidate, we We ask all the candidates, that's the rule that we have. If one wants to interview, then we have to open up that interview to all the candidates, whether they accept it or not, but we make that offer to make sure that they have the opportunity to interview with us.
2: Right, and I think the other thing, I'm sorry, Ellen. Um, I think the other thing to remember is, you know, we don't have the capacity, nor do we have the funds to get involved in every single race. If Mm -hmm. you, if you think of the entire house being up every other year and half of the Senate, that's a lot of races, Mm -hmm. right? Like 125 races. Now not everyone drew an opponent and, and all of that, but, but you just have to think of, there's no way to get involved in every single race. So you have to look at how important the, the races, um, uh, how, um, you know how viable is a candidate? Uh, are our locals in the area interested? Have they reached out? Have they asked us to get involved? Those are the types of things we take into consideration when we decide which races to get involved with. And this this primary is a really big deal. Uh, we've got some very anti-public ed um, money outside of Oklahoma money. That's a really you know this is big DC Club for Growth. Yeah. big giant. Lots of money coming out. We're talking
1: hundreds of thousands of dollars
2: coming into our state. Commercials are starting to run against some of our really good public ed champions. And so those are the types of conversations our, our PAC council is having.
0: And the primaries that we got involved with are ones where that candidate will be the legislator after that race, correct? There's not a general...
2: Correct. Correct. So, so this is why primaries are so important. Only one of them were was a Democrat because there just aren't very many primaries. Most, you know, if you look at our voter registration in our state, in so many of the areas, those uh, those are being decided in the in the Republican primary. So, uh, we really did look at that. Um, It will be the general election, basically. The primary will decide who's in office. So, it is crucial that we. That we not only um, get out to vote and pay attention to who is pro-public ed, pay attention to who, you know, if you're just mad about one vote, let's please look at the big picture. And that's what that's what our, our PAC council really tries to do. Right, right.
1: We, we, I, we take our fiduciary responsibility very seriously, and it's for the good of the whole. You know, there's, you know, you, Ellen and Ivy, you know how the political... Uh, muckety-muck mess messiness of the legislature that so many times you may take a vote in committee but you may have a different vote when it comes to the floor and so you have to very strategic um, process. Ivy have you ever in whether when you were a member and involved with the council that I know you were in or as a on staff as legislative political organizer and now associate executive director. I'm going to get all your titles in there. Um, (laughs) Have you ever seen an election cycle where so much is being decided at the
2: primary? I don't remember, you know, I am sure we have some records somewhere we could look up and we haven't done that, but I truly cannot remember a cycle where this many big leadership races but yeah. just the just the yeah. volume of races in general is going to be decided on June 28th. Yeah. It's a really big deal. A yeah. really big deal. Nice. And then there will be some that we didn't get involved with. We kind of stayed, a, <clears throat> excuse me, we kind of stayed away from a few of them that had four and five person primaries and they were open seats. The, there was no incumbent, they were open seats, someone turned out or chose not to run or or whatever. So there will more than likely be a runoff and, and probably we will get involved uh, at that stage, maybe in August, depending on who, who makes it through. But um, it's 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 pretty wild, Catherine, I, I yeah. would agree.
1: And we kind of take these in chunks. We look at the primary, then we look if there's a runoff and then we look at the general and- and so we take it at each stage. It's a different viewpoint. and 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 so, if we had a candidate that we had previously recommended, they don't have to go to that through that interview process again. We just are able to so we have, believe it or not, as every PAC should have, we have bylaws, we have policy, and we follow those and and our members, our members help drive that process. that's that's the great part is it is our members' voices. A part of the pack that make these decisions it's not I love Ellen and Ivy don't get me wrong I love you guys but it is our members that have the ultimate
2: decisions whether we recommend a candidate or not absolutely absolutely and we do have a you know we've got a couple of races where a member is running uh, or a former wow. member is running or a retired member is running and we do have a, a pretty strict bylaw that says if an incumbent is a uh, mm-hmm you know if they're not an enemy of public ed if they haven't gone after us in any way we're not going to go against them you can't keep friends if we if you attack your friends so so really um you know we we just try to be strategic in that mm-hmm.
0: And then, so primaries, June 28th, you still have time to do absentee ballot. I feel I like summer kind of makes me nervous, y'all. I mean, I just, I just
1: mailed mine. I got it notarized cool. yesterday. I just put it in the mail this morning. Nice. I, even though I'm going to be here on the 28th, I did not want to risk it. Because yeah, I, I, I was leaving town the next day, so I just didn't want to risk it <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm with you, Ellen. People are on vacation and just out of your routine. And so I'm afraid it will just slip your mind. Now, if you've turned your television on, there's not a minute that without a political So, <laughs> But so many people don't watch regular television. If you just stream your, your entertainment, yeah. then maybe it's out of your mind. It, here's, here's my fear. Moderate, regular people are so over all of the political nonsense that they've, they're they trying to tune it out. And I understand you want to focus on your family. You want to focus on good things in your life. But we've got to have some, some moderate people, which whichever party you belong to, that that stay engaged and make sure the moderate good guys come out of these races. So we're begging you to not only make sure you vote on June 28th, but that you encourage your friends and family to and share with them what what is good for public education, because what's coming out in the commercials are, are frankly, their lies. Yeah. And what's coming out in mailers are lies. Yes. Some some really good folks are being attacked and 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 they're not it's not the truth. So so we have to do our part to keep that to get that word out to our friends and family.
1: For candidates, what would you say is the you know, they candidates always need money that's All always problem. a given. What else do you think that, that candidates need,
2: um, especially in this short time period that we have left before the primary? Sure. I mean, candidates are begging for people that would be willing to go knock doors. And if you don't want to go talk to people, if you would be willing to go hang a door knocker on a door, you don't have to interact with people. It can be during the day, it's in the summer, your kids can go with you. You know, it's a kind of a fun way to get yep. kids involved in just your civic activity. And then honestly, they are begging for word of mouth. Yeah. Just be willing to. Um, I can't tell you how many times I was approached at church, you know, throughout my time as a teacher and a president of my local. And so during election times, I would be like, oh, so it's okay for me to also do that after church. Obviously, I'm not trying to make it political, but if people are sitting around chit chatting about it, oh, this is a good person for public ed. This is a person that we want to help our kids. Something like that. If you're at the grocery store, when you're out and about, if people ask, because you're an educator uh we have a state superintendent race and it's very yeah. important and because you're an educator uh you're going to get asked so get involved and 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 get get make educate yourself yeah. if you have questions about about those folks uh reach out to one of us at LPO and we will uh, just give you information we're not going to try to tell you how to vote that's not our role yep in the in the june focus so hang on to those absentee val- ballots for one more week if you can um, and in the June focus, we're going to have side by side answers to questions from those superintendent candidates. Yeah. So um, we, I'm just I'm just begging you to 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 not blow it off because it's ugly. Yeah. Please please get involved.
1: And Ivy, how come we don't? I have a lot of members ask this. Um, are, how come you guys don't post it on your Facebook page? Who you've recommended? I always like to say we recommend. We don't endorse. We recommend. Why right. why don't why don't we put it out on our Facebook page?
2: Because we can't. Uh, What's <laughs> an easy you know, answer, <laughs> right? Um, so, so any kind of advertisement would have to be considered an in-kind and in, uh, donation, right? You would have to be able to put some kind of dollar value on that, and there's just no way. We have an open Facebook that anyone can see. We have an open website that anyone can see, and so we are uh, that it's it's uh, it would be considered an ethics violation. And I take that very seriously, Very seriously. Um, so it will be behind the wall where you as a member can log on and look. It'll be in the focus article. It will be available to you. You can call us and we, it will be emailed to you. If you're in an area where we have recommended a candidate, you will get an email from us with all of that information. And then if people outside of, of OEA and our PAC council choose to share that, if the candidate chooses to share it, that's totally legal and, and yep. allowed. We just cannot because you would have to put a value on it. And our attorneys tell me, um, we listen just, to hey, them, oh my gosh, yes I wish, <laughs> we do I, all the guidance I can get
1: yeah, that's a that's a hard thing they'll always say how come you why did not you put this out there or or they'll see a candidate that said I was recommended by Oea and they can absolutely they can do, do
2: that. that and we'll get them even a little pretty frame to put it on their social media if they want to um we'll 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 work it up. And, and make it nice that they can share it, we just can't.
1: The only thing we can do, am I correcting this, is communicate member to member. That's the only okay. thing that we can do as an association.
2: There, there's an unlimited, uh, ethics has an allowance that uh, if you are an association with a membership, you can communicate unlimited. Uh, there doesn't have to be a value or whatever, any way you want, any amount that you'd like to your members
1: there are some good races and I I was surprised when I got my ballot I had already looked at the you know you look at the sample ballot I kind of looked at that but when I got my ballot I was like I get to vote in so many different races And, and I had to go start looking up people because I didn't recognize certain people in certain races you have judges on there as well so there's a lot of different races that you have the opportunity to um, and it didn't matter what political party you're in, you've got races to vote in from definitely. from from the governor, state superintendent, legislator, judges. Uh, Congress. Are even a, yeah, Congress. Oh, forgot about that one. Yeah, in fact, I think I have a county question on mine too. Mm-hmm. I actually,
2: do I do too. Do. Yeah. 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 Well, we're all in the same county. Same so county. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oklahoma County has a county yeah.
2: question. <laughs> yeah. So, try oh.
1: We'll definitely be looking for your June focus. To and I'm glad you said that. Just to hang on to your um, ballot for another week and and not mail it in just yet. And I'm going to ask this question. And then you guys are going to like look at me and go, "Don't ask that question." Can Can you still get an absentee ballot? Yeah,
2: yeah the yeah. the deadline for that is late. Which yeah, I I mean definitely uh, yes you can. If you think yeah. you're going to be gone on June 28th. Let's risk it. Yeah, <laughs> But yeah. remember, it it's not just postmarked by June 28th. It has to be received by the election board by June yeah. 28th. So you can drop those off in person after hours at your convenience, or you can mail them in.
1: Okay. But yeah.
2: You have to be notarized.
1: And, in, and I think by law, a tag agency has to notarize them free.
2: I believe you're right. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And- well, thank you so much, Ivy. We're going to miss you. This
1: summer, I know. Well, hey, we're gonna miss you on the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) I'll see
2: you. (laughs) Oh, I'm not, I'm not released for the summer. No, no, you're not (laughs) going
1: anywhere, sister. So sorry
0: about that one. (laughs)
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Good morning, everyone. I am so excited to be here this morning. Um, One of my roles at OEA is to go out and meet with educators across the state and through that role sometimes I have like an hour break where I can kind of explore the community I'm I'm in and this year I had the opportunity to see Chisholm Trail Heritage Center in Duncan and was just blown away by the opportunities at the museum and so we thought it would be really cool to bring someone on to talk about opportunities in our state with museums And this morning, we are joined by Jason Harris, the Executive Director of the Chisholm Trail Museum in Guthrie. Welcome, Jason.
3: Hi, how are you today?
0: Doing well. So, Jason, just tell me a little bit about how you got into the museum industry before we kind of get started.
3: So, sure. Um, Growing up, I always really, really loved history. I loved museums. I liked to go out and visit historic sites. It, It was my thing. And and I always thought, well, if you want to do something with history, really, you know, you can teach or maybe you can figure out a way to work in a museum. And when I was in seventh or eighth grade, I had a couple of gentlemen come from the Oklahoma Historical Society to my school and they did a program for us. And I got to talk to them and they're like, no, no, this is how we do history and how we ended up here. And so I decided like in eighth grade that I was going to grow up and work in a museum. And so that's what I did. I went and uh, got museum studies degree at University of Central Oklahoma. And I worked in museum education for over 10 years before I became an executive director. So, you know, there's that real life world expertise where you can go see, do, and then you can apply it to yourself.
0: I love that. And so you are also a part of the Oklahoma Museum Association, correct?
3: That's correct. I'm one of the board members for the Oklahoma Museum Association. And for 10 years, I was the Oklahoma Museum Educators Chair. So I helped coordinate all the programming for museum educators statewide.
0: Wow. And so when we talk about, you know, one of our pushes is maybe this summer, educators should go out and visit a museum with in their community or maybe within an hour of their community to see if that's an opportunity for a field trip. Um, how would that kind of work? Could, should they call ahead and see if there's someone they can talk to maybe before they get there? or
3: So what I would do is there are 500 plus museums in Oklahoma, and if you want one list, you can visit okmuseums.org and they list all 500. Um, And it'll give you links to their website so you can look them up. If you have a museum that you're really interested in, go and explore their website, see what they offer for teachers and field trips and how to best communicate with them. But having been an educator for a long time, I love it when teachers call and say, I'd like to come see your site, maybe figure out what I can do with students. Um, And they'll be more than glad to help you plan activities and what you might do with students on on site. And it's going to vary so dramatically from museum to museum that it's best to kind of set that up in advance so that you get to meet your expectations and give a good interaction for your students, you and the museum.
0: Definitely. So tell tell us a little bit about the Chisholm Trail Museum.
3: So at my museum, um, we offer a number of programs for students. Um, We do outreach living history where we actually go on campus and interact with students at the school. Um, we do that at the museum when students come and visit us. And there are a number of museums across the state that do that. Um, We offer a number of education trunks. They're like museum exhibits in a box. And there are a ton of museums that do that. that will send those items out for teachers to be able to check out and use in the classroom. And so we can facilitate some hands on experiences for students, Um, you know, We like to have students come see do, and that's kind of a mentality for a lot of museums. You know, it always depends on the museum size, the number of staff they have and how they can interact. Um, But you know, at my site, we're about to completely reinvent ourselves and do a renovation. And so we're building in some of those components. But I know institutions like the Oklahoma History Center, big museum that talks about Oklahoma um, from early native peoples all the way through uh, current events. They offer field trips for groups that are quite large. They do live in history and hands-on items. You have other large institutions like the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum and uh, others throughout the state that can do those things that are similar. But then if you go outside the metro areas, you can really find some interesting places. You know, in Eastern Oklahoma, we have Spiral Mounds, which is an archeological site and museum. And it's from the uh, mound builders era. So we have everything in Oklahoma that goes from early Native American mound builders and prehistory all the way through to today.
0: Wow. So I, I mean, that museum in a box is such a cool concept, you know, and is that typically something where a staff member would come out with the box and kind of go through that? Or is, how does how does so,
3: work? Sure. So most museums that have them, they actually have a guide for the teachers. Often the guide will be online. Um, And so it'll have descriptions of what the objects are so the teacher can facilitate discussion um, with their students at their own time. Um, Usually they're tied to themes like cowboys and cattle drives or the Dust Bowl in Oklahoma or agriculture in Oklahoma. So that, you know, you'll be able to see what museums have what and see what you may want to use yourself. Um, Usually the boxes are available for checkout for free Um, because of their size. A lot of times museums will ask teachers or schools to pick them up and drop them off or they'll ship them to them and they'll ask the school to ship the trunk back to the, the facility.
0: I think that's just a really neat opportunity to kind of start that process if a field trip feels overwhelming or if staffing's an issue for buses um, having opportunities to bring that to the classroom is super beneficial.
3: Right uh, and especially if you're rural and you don't have the opportunity to travel great distance to go to a museum. Sometimes you can bring that little bit of that museum to you, um, and then you can use it with all sorts of students. And that also lets the teacher kind of tailor it to to their specific grade and age. And, you know, I've worked with pre-K students all the way through high school, and I know that there's a vast difference in how they interact with individuals and how you want to use items in the classroom or how you want to interact with uh, facilitators at a museum. And so it really gives you the opportunity to do things you want with the objects.
0: Are there any other museums that you think, you know, our educators wouldn't know about? A couple that would be of interest to them? I know you talked about this, spy- did I, did I, right? it right? Spy- yeah, Spiral
3: Mounds, that's literally yeah. archaeological site and museum. Um, there's museums like Pawnee Bill's Ranch and Museum, which is in Pawnee, Oklahoma. You know, that really talks about the Wild West show days, the 1880s, 1890s, and then life after. Um, there's the Cherokee Strip Regional Heritage Center in uh, Enid which is a large facility and they have a Pioneer Village. Um, they do field trips that really look at that northwestern corner of the state. Um, there's Honey Springs Battlefield, which is in Eastern Oklahoma. So if you're kind of looking at Civil War period or early Oklahoma, you can visit Honey Springs, Fort Gibson, which is a National Historic Landmark, excuse me, National Historic Landmark, and also the only antebellum plantation house that's remaining in Oklahoma, is right there in Tahlequah. So you can kind of clump things together. Um, the Sam Noble Museum of Natural History, which is, in Norman, is a fabulous museum if you haven't been. And they look at really early American history or um, of prehistory. So, you know, um, native inhabitants in the area thousands of years ago. And then of course they have their dinosaur collections, things like that. If you're more into say the space race in modern America, Uh, The Thomas P. Stafford Museum, which is in Weatherford, Oklahoma, is an amazing space museum. Um, It's probably one of the top 10 space museums in the country, and they have an amazing collection. There are so many airplanes and spacecrafts and items from astronauts and cosmonauts um, that students can interact with see, and then they have some great staff to help facilitate. Um, And if you want to explore Native American history, of course, you can visit the Chickasaw Cultural Center in Sulphur, the first Americans Museum in Oklahoma City just opened, and it's a great tool for uh, students to be able to explore Oklahoma's 39 tribes from a native perspective. Um, There's a couple of great institutions in Tulsa, but right now they're going, the Gilcrease is in the middle of a renovation project, so they're not available. At least I think they've closed the doors, but there's always the Philbrook, um, Mm -hmm. have a great Pan-American history experience. So there's all of these institutions all across the state and we can find every teacher something. So
0: that's awesome. So I think we will um, on our website and maybe um, in upcoming emails, we'll send out the link that kind of shares your partner associations um, mm-hmm. from, from the Oklahoma uh, Museum Association. So members can get on and kind of explore those options and see where they are regionally in the state. I know for me, I feel like my kids and I need to go to the, the science museum, the, uh, not science, the airplane astronaut thing. We have not been there yet. So if you
3: haven't been to Weatherford to see the space museum, it's one of the best collections because Thomas Stafford, the Oklahoma astronauts from Weatherford, um, and they have an amazing collection, amazing facility. Um, and you know, if you're kind of looking at transportation and the way people move, you can go right on over and visit the route 66 museum in Clinton and get two museums in one day. Um, so, you know, that's always fun to pair things up, Um, but yeah, if you you link to the Museum Associations page, you can look at all the museums across the state, kind of get some information on what you might like to do, and if you have questions, you can always reach out, and we can help you find museums that fit what you're looking for.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Jason. I really appreciate it.
3: You're more than welcome. Have a good day. Bye.
1: Well, let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. Ooh, Ellen, we are one little over a week away from our summer leadership academy on June twenty second and twenty third. I said June correctly. I'm so proud of myself. So. (laughs) Starting Wednesday afternoon, and then it'll be all day Thursday on the twenty third. And uh, if you missed the podcast last week, you missed the big announcement that uh, Debbie Phelps is going to be our keynote speaker on June the morning of June twenty third. Uh, if that name sounds familiar to you, to you, it's because uh, you know that she was a teacher, and an administrator, and an NEA member. Um, some people may know her because they saw her cheering in the stands when her son, the swimmer named Michael Phelps, was in the Olympics for like a bazillion times. Um, but she is a strong public schools advocate. and And now that she's retired, Um, from education. That's what she does. She's an education advocate and activist and goes around and does a lot of engagements, just making sure that our educators know that they are honored and have a purpose. And, and, And she is a champion for our public schools. So we are super, super excited about having her and, and all the great learning that's going to happen over those days because our our campaign, our Worth It campaign, that's what this is centered around and focused. That our leadership, or that we're going to be doing Wednesday afternoon, leadership is worth it. And then also our locals are worth it on, on Thursday. And so it's just exciting because, you know, Ellen, I know I've said this more than once, but this is the year of, of everything we get to designate it as in person. we haven't got to do that for two years (laughs) and so it's kind of like it's you know, novel and new. It's Summer Leadership Academy in person. Yeah, You would have thought when we ever had to delineate whether it was going to be virtual or in person. And so um, go to our website. It's right there on the landing page. Get registered and join us. It's going to be a great day and a half. And then, you know, you heard on the podcast here today, we've got primary elections coming up June 28th. We need you to get out and vote. We need you to contact five friends family, whatever. I just made that up. That's your goal. That's, like your goal. That's your goal. Five friends, take them to the poll with them, with you. Get Take them if they need to ride, make sure they have a ride, hold them, you know, hold each other accountable. Did you vote? I'm, I, what I'm really so sad about that I realized is I put my ballot in the mail without taking a picture of it. Cause I always like to do that on, you know, cause everybody takes a picture of their little voting sticker. Yes. So I'm, I won't have a picture but I will definitely um I voting absentee is just as important as voting in person.
0: I, I love um vote. Catherine I'll bring you a sticker I had because oh, I'm a notary. I had stickers made that said I voted absentee. So they <gasps> could wear it on election day. Yeah. Um, Cuz I I think, you know, there is something about that sticker that is worthless but is meaningful. Yeah. <laughs> all at the same time.
1: Yeah. So. That that sticker is you know it it I don't know about you but when my kids were young and especially during the time that we would always vote in our schools mm-hmm. I always took my children with me when I went to go vote that was just a tradition we had because I knew how important it was that I was modeling for them the importance of voting and and now today my kids take their kids yeah. to go vote and just to make sure that we're instilling that this is You're right as a citizen to have a voice and and that voice is at the ballot and make sure that uh, you're voting and and you're going to get five friends because you're going to, yeah, and you're going to make sure that they vote as well, because that sometimes is the biggest thing is we just don't vote. And it is the one way that you have a voice that's to vote your civic yep. obligation and um, opportunity to do that. So, and, you know, Ellen, we are wrapping it up for the summer. This is our our last podcast before we take, I always like this word, a hiatus.
2: Hiatus. I like
1: we're that. Gonna, too. We're going to take a hiatus uh, for about a month or so, a little, maybe a little bit longer, but, but for the month and um, let's, We're going to get rejuvenated, re-energized, get new. We're going to have uh, more speakers on or not speakers, podcast guests on with us. And so thank you for, uh, Ellen, everything you've done. You've stepped in and it has been so fun doing the podcast with you. I have had a blast and look forward to getting it started again in the fall. So thank you, Ellen. I appreciate it
0: same, Catherine. I've loved it. So thanks to the audience for welcoming us as a team, and we will want to see you back when we come back. Thanks. So um, thank you um, on this podcast, Ivy Riggs and Jason Harris for joining us today, and thank you for listening to Oak Oprep, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Ellen Pogermiller with the Oklahoma Education Association.
1: And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at prideokrapodcasts at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again when we come back in the fall. But until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education.